Hello and welcome back to the PPC podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Gerhardt. I'm the director of Emerging Generations here at PPC. And uh, thank you so much for listening. And remember, you can, you can get everything PPC at ppc.church. And we're going to be talking about last week's sermon. If you haven't seen that yet, you can watch that on our Facebook page. And if you want to listen to it as well, of course, it's right here on the podcast as last week's episode. And you can go to our website again at ppc.church to get the audio version of our sermon. So back with us is uh, Pastor Tobin Wilson. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Garrett. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's a great day here in Southern California. Isn't it nice? It's 75 degrees, sun's out, shining. Actually, it's going down now, so yeah, sunset. it's beautiful. It's hard to complain when it's like 73 degrees in yeah, March. No complaints. Uh, so uh, we're going to talk a little bit more and a little bit deeper and maybe a little bit more um, practical if we want about last week's sermon, uh, which was titled From, From a Human Doer to a Human Being. And... Um, it looks like we're kind of working our way through some of these uh, stories in Exodus about the Israelites uh, in bondage. And uh, tell us a little bit more about how this kind of continues that, maybe that story that we're working through Lent about um, freedom. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we're working through a series called Freedom right now. In the first week, we talked about uh, just the first aspect of freedom is is a groan to the God that is, and that leads to grace. And, and Alfredo talked last week about uh, the move as human beings in this in this freedom story from being no one to someone and finding your identity uh, in God, really. And th- this last week, we talked about uh, in the freedom story and the freedom move, even in the Israelites, they, they went from human doers to human beings. Um, and they've been in slavery for, gosh, Garrett, I think 400 years, which, yeah. what? 400 years slavery? I can't. That's older than our that. country. Yeah, it's older than our country, and that's all they ever knew. Yet it was considered slavery. They were they were enforced labor for about four hundred years, and they were the means to an end for the powerful uh, elite of the Egyptian uh, despot, mm-hmm. really. And so it's even hard to wrap your mind around it in two thousand and eighteen, living in the United States of America. What I mean, freedom. Really? We haven't been in bondage, which we don't even use that word anymore, really, in in any significant sense. Uh, Although some would say that they've been in bondage, I'm sure, for a long time. But we we don't know that as individuals. We don't know that as a nation state. We don't know that word. That's a strange word to use. So this notion of being freed from being a human doer to a human being, although we do understand, I think, at times, what it means to just be exhausted from running from event to event to event to event or from thing to thing to thing and especially in the the, the fast pace of the fast pace of southern california and orange county like like we are there's there's never a winter hibernation period you right. know it's just right. constant exactly. summer you know and you just run from thing to thing to thing right. and you don't get a chance to sit up by the fire and curl up with a hot cider or your favorite you know beverage and read a good book with the fireplace rolling Right, like uh, like right now when we're recording this uh, in the evening after hours. Yeah, because that's the only time we had to do it. I know, right? And we're watching. I'm watching the sunset. You're actually watching the wall. I get to look out the window, but I can remember reading stories. And my grandparents even would sit on the on the porch in the farm growing up in the Midwest, and that was a great time of day to un, unwind and relax. And even at this time of night, 
when the sun's going down, it, 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 it emits different kind of rays into the air. Mm -hmm. And you go from the alpha rays to the beta waves, the ability to just slow down, unwind, relax. Uh, and we don't even know that anymore. Yeah. I mean, we don't sit on our front porch or our back porch and sip lemonade and just chat. Right. Uh, because perhaps that's our form of bondage today, mm. just running from thing to thing to thing. Right. Sure. And uh, going days, weeks, months, maybe longer than that for some as the years go by where we just think, man, I, I really haven't had a chance to catch my breath. Yeah. Uh, and the Israelites certainly knew about that. Just 400 years of forced labor where they just, the quota keep, keeps yeah, getting Yeah, you have cuffed. a good example of yeah. that, right? So they want this time off to spend time in prayer, you know, right? And so they yeah. say, that, and then the uh, the... Yeah, higher ups say, "Oh, sure, sure, go ahead. You can have some time off to uh, pray, but uh, your quota of bricks is going to stay the same." Yeah, it's a fascinating story. All these stories are really fascinating. Um, Moses wants to be able to take some of the people out into the desert of all places and just spend some Sabbath time, just uh, sitting on the front porch, watching the sun go down, and giving thanks to God, basically yeah. in modern day language. And so they call a meeting with the HR department of the Egyptian Pharaoh and they want to do this. And the HR department basically says, no, man, not going to happen. Not on my watch. And what they were hoping for, which was a, just a little bit of rest and Sabbath became more work. Yeah. And it's kind of what we do too. You know, people that are good workers, we, we reward them with less pay and more obligation. Right. Yeah, that happened to me just recently. So our, my daughter's five and she just went to like public school for the first time. And there's, you know, there's some work when you've got to take them to school now. She's in pre-K. But then we went to the PTA meeting, you know, and it's like volunteer here and volunteer here and donate here and do this. And I was like, wow, I didn't, I kind of forgot that, that having kids isn't just taking care of the kids and spending time doing that. Now there's this whole my quota just got increased because now I've got to split my time with PTA fundraising activities. Yeah. It's like, wow, where did that come from? Yeah. So I think, I think this notion of freedom, being able to just give yourself permission to stop. Uh, I am not, I am not what I do. I am who I am created in the image of God and almost being a deactivated person. And the, the, even the ancient Greeks understood this notion of deactivation, the ability to uh, rest in the dignity of their personhood. We've lost that today hmm. because in our Western culture, it's I am what I do, right. not I am who I am created in the image of God. So freedom for us could be the ability to just say no to all the good doing in order to just simply be for a little while. We might actually like ourselves more, enjoy our family. We right. might even have a better relationship with God. Right. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And, and you give this, uh, this, uh, I guess this freedom to do that, you know, you, you gave this, this mantra for the morning was that God will, will catch you. And tell, tell us a little bit more about, you know, what do you mean by that? You know, you, you phrase it like, just worry about being and not doing. And if that uh, worries you, or if you don't know how to do that, that's okay because God is there to catch you. If all you're doing is just being, tell us a little bit more about how those two things are connected. Yeah, you know, perhaps what I was trying to do is kind of shock us uh, a little bit. I, I think we can move from being only a human doer 
to primarily a human being if we live into one promise and three gifts. And it comes comes out of this storyline in Exodus. Um, the, the move to me is less about what I do, even in holding think good things off, and more about what God can do if I allow God to do it. And uh, there's a, a real powerful story, because you're a dad, mm-hmm. um, and I'm a dad, and a grandfather now, um, of a young family that got in a car to just simply go from their house to the neighborhood pool and they hadn't gone very far in fact they weren't even driving that fast because the you know the automatic car door locks didn't engage yet and there were the three of them were going mom and dad mom was driving dad was in the passenger seat and their young son drew was in the back seat they just started creeping along and before anyone could realize it young boy drew in the back had opened the door and literally fallen out mom had ran him over it felt like Mm. a slow speed bump and before really anybody could figure out what was going on, it, it had already happened, you know, and I, you know, can you imagine, I get it in my pit of my stomach. Yeah. I can just, I know, I, I know what that feeling is like slams on the brakes. Dad runs out, gets out of the car, runs to the back. He's alive. He's alive. Just got a few cuts and bruises and scrapes. They all get back in the car, race to the ER. Um, and they do all the tests remarkably, no broken bones. He's alive. Just a few cuts and bruises and scrapes and tears of frightened boy and grateful parents. And where the story gets really powerful is later that night, mom gets down in the hospital room by the side of the bed. They kept him overnight for observation and, and just simply prayed, thank you, God, for sparing my son. And, and then she did what all of us would probably do, got up and climbed in the bed with Drew. And she thought he was sleeping and sat there for a few minutes, put her arm around him. And she said, or Drew said out of nowhere, mommy, Jesus catched me. She said, he did. Yep. Jesus catched me. And Drew, little Drew said, and here, and showed mom, here's, here's how he did. He clasped his hands together and, and kind of gently laid him down to the ground. That's how he did it. Wow. And then little Drew even prayed a prayer. Jesus, thank you for catching me. And his mom said, I am so grateful. And then Drew said, and you know what, mom? Jesus even said, you're very welcome. Hmm. And that was the night. And the next morning when they were getting ready to leave, out of the blue again, like any boy would do, you just never know when it's going to come, a young child like that. Mommy, Jesus has brown skin and Jesus has brown hair and I'm grateful he catched me. And that notion of Jesus catching me in the midst of a life that's going too fast is always there and ever present. So perhaps freedom from being a human doer to a human being is the recognition that even in the midst of all my doing probably doesn't matter as much as the fact right. that I'm going to be caught, you know, by this amazing God that just a few weeks ago, all we had to do was groan to right? and grace is, is enacted. And last week we learned that we all go from nobody, you know, maybe even a, you know, Moses was a, was a fugitive on the run basically right, to somebody, a leader of this great nation. 
And now in this story today, wow, it's not what I do that makes me important. It's just simply who I am as a child of God. That's huge. So the beginning of freedom in that is really all that God does. Right. If we have the ability to at least recognize that. So it's a, it, to me, it's a powerful story. It's a great reminder, you know, of all the times I need to be catched because I'm totally perfectly imperfect. And probably we all take ourselves a little bit too seriously. Right. And the best thing we, many of us can do oftentimes is just, hey, you know what? I'm going to chill out. God's got this thing. He's going to mm. catch me. Um, that's powerful. It's a great story. Yeah. And that's really what was happening to the Israelites, too. In this story, the, this HR department meeting goes bad, and uh, the story goes in. Listen, it's early in the story right now, but I'm, God just says over and over and over again, he uses the pronoun I. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Even though you're overworked and underpaid, I'm still going to uh, give freedom to you as my people, and it's not about what you do. It's who you are, and that's how the story begins. And actually, that's probably the message of the Bible all the way through. Yeah. In its simplicity, um, so that's that's the great promise if we can live into it. I think that really, um, I don't know, strikes a chord with me because if we look at our busy day and our busy schedules, and like like you said, God um, really desires you to just be a child of Him. I look at my busy day like if I'm not doing that for God, how much of it do I really need to be doing? And how much of it is just doing it because I want to make myself feel better? I like saying that I'm busy or we like, you know, our, our, our kids and whoever just having activities to fulfill them. Um, and yet God is saying, uh, I want to fulfill you. I want to catch you. And you're not even giving me the opportunity because you're so busy yeah. and you're doing so much. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's really powerful because I, to, to, to wrap our heads around a God that is really only requiring us to accept him and to, just enter into his love and not do all of these things is opposite to what we th- feel the world requires us to do. And it takes, gosh, I mean, I don't, I don't know, maybe it takes a whole lifetime to realize uh, that all the things that you do uh, in the midst of that, God is whispering just to spend time with him and to yeah. slow down. Yeah, I, I agree. And oftentimes the most profoundly uh, transformational spiritual truths are the opposite of what we think ought to be true. So mm-hmm. it's not at all what I do. It's who I am in Christ yeah. and resting in that. You go to other cultures. It's, it's, it's amazing in our culture. If you tell somebody you're going to go to Mexico or Africa or some of these places, uh, the first question that usually comes out of people's mouths is what, what are you going to do? What then? are you going to do? Right. Yeah. And you go there and that's not the value in that culture. The value of the culture is not that you're coming to do something. The value in that culture is that you've come to be with them. Right. So it's not what you're there to do. It's the fact that you are there. Right. But then you're trying to raise money from people over here. And uh, what's the, you know, they want to know, they want to know what you're going to do. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to go do by being. That's what you're going to do. Yeah, good luck uh, trying to communicate but that. But that doesn't raise the money. Right. Which that's the profundity of the paradox of this kind of stuff. Right. Anyway. No, that's totally true. Yeah. So uh, you, you bring up uh, one of the uh, the gifts, and uh, I was able to apply it today. Uh, you talk about uh, you're given a voice at the table, and you continue this this mantra, and you went around the the 
the room. And I thought it was really powerful. You know, you, you, you named people in our congregation and you told them that uh, God has basically called them to be them, like you be you, uh, and just focus on that because God will catch you. And today I was having a meeting and we're talking about uh, doing some leadership development for teenagers. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we landed on was helping them with identity formation, um, helping them basically figure out who they are. And in, in this context, uh, through the lens of, of a believer and a leader. And I immediately thought of this, this message because as all of us, and especially teens and young adult, um, really struggle with who they are, who we are. What do we stand for? What are we passionate about? What breaks our heart? And I thought of this, given a voice at the table for a young person, 12 to 17, you know, how powerful this would be. Just, just be you, the person that God's called you to be, whether that fits everybody, whether it doesn't fit in what people are doing, but just focus on that because God, God will catch you. God will be there to fill in the things, the anxieties, the, the worries, the, um, the things you're not gifted at, the things you're not good at. Uh, but those are the things you f- should be focused on. Just focus on who it is that God called you to be because God will fill in everything else. Yeah. It was really cool to already find a way to apply that with just a couple of days after the message. Oh, that's good. And it's, it's a struggle. I mean, I have more memories of days that I've lived probably than days left to live. I mean, that's mm. how many decades old I am, right? You don't have to think about that. Yeah, I don't want to think about that a whole lot right now, although it's probably more true than that, true, yeah. to be honest with you. And I still haven't figured that out. Right. You know, it's I, because it's so culturally ingrained. I am what I do. No, 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 no. That's and that's the point of this. Uh, you are who you are because you're created in the image of God. And when we get the fact that God catches us, and we're able to rest in that being place, then we soften as people, and and there is room for different perspectives and voices and ethnicities and cultural backgrounds and space at the table uh, so that people can be uniquely themselves. And it is true. I can't do Garrett. Right. You can't do me. I can hardly do me. Uh, But you do Garrett and do Garrett well, because that's part of what your unique contribution to humankind is. Right. But man, I'll tell you that the push to, conformity and the push to utilitarian purposes, the push towards pragmatism, the push towards just doing is really strong. Yeah. And we're so enculturated into that. And that's a different worldview than, than many of the spiritual realities around the world. This is one of those topics where you, you hear it a few times a year and then uh, you kind of live like, like you didn't hear it because it's so difficult to practice. Yeah. You know, if, if it's, if if we we feel like that we some anxieties come out when we begin to think about what it would look like to stop doing things because there's those expectations from other people or family expectations and and yet uh, it is so important you know it's yeah. it's interesting to look back one of the things that always catches me is the amount of time that that the people in the Bible especially especially Jesus in the New Testament spent time in rest and with God and if I'm being honest. I often think, well, they didn't have that much to do to begin with. And there might be some truth to that. I mean, they, when they went to, when they journeyed from one town to another, it was a week of just hanging just out, there. being yeah. on the road, you know? Yeah. And when they needed to, you know, I don't know, go get married and have a house, it usually meant that they built the house from scratch and they're focusing on that for the next couple of years. And so, but to, even in that kind of lifestyle, which just 
quote unquote less things to do, they still needed to go, whoa, I need to slow down right. and just be with God because uh, that's the antidote for my stress and the things that are going on is spending, retreating and spending time with God. Yeah, and it's not, and I would hate for anybody to walk away from here saying, well, we tried to argue that you weren't supposed to do anything. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying work is not important. It's, it's certainly a rhythm of life, but so is this notion of rest, you know, yeah. s- the Sabbath rhythm, you know, the, the work, the ceasing of work so that there's time for laughter and gratitude and thanksgiving and worship and, and a lot of those great words. Um, it's the prioritization of the right order. Right. And we, and we just, the power to make and do and have more is always ever present You know, the next big thing. And it's encompassing. Um, but if we can, if we can stop, cause God's got this thing, God always catches us. Then there's room at the table. Uh, we each have short stories to share. Um, and then when we're called and sent back out, we go out in humility because there's that relational component too. So, it's complex, but yet simple. Yeah. I think I think freedom for us right now, though, is, whoa, just slow down. Enjoy the day a little bit. Um, God's got gotcha. you. Yeah. It's going to catch you. I think one of the ways it can start is not only spending time with God and spending time slowing down, it's, it's kind of putting a value on that and not judging others who, who can do that well. You know, I, I think the, a good example of this is the, the joke, like when you're on an interview, uh, what's the right answer to what's your number one weakness? Is that you work too hard? Yeah, you know, like right. that's, yeah. that's, that's the right answer. And then everyone kind of laughs and then you don't have to answer it anymore because the, the HR people like that because you work too hard. Um, but we need to kind of twist that. You know, those of us who just interact with people, whether it's at work or at school and our family, um, we got to kind of check our own heart. And like, are we judging those people who either find it easier to relax or have, are spending time or are taking advantage of the time off that they have or are able to spend time with family or friends and, and uh, kind of separate themselves from all the things they have to do. So uh, we really need to, to start rethinking what we value, like you said, what we prioritize. Uh, one of the things I just want to touch on kind of before we end is uh, one of the cool things about this podcast is if, for whatever reason, Sunday morning... Uh, happens a little bit quicker than we mean to and goes long and you didn't get to touch on something, we can touch on it. And so um, I think you had about 26 seconds to talk about your last point on <laughs> Sunday morning. And, but I think it's still important. And I liked how you, you, you made this really cool connection, especially this time in our country, talking about dreamers and kind of what their situation is and how that is a significant story to tell. But I think that kind of ties in a little bit to, to now that we, I guess, have freedom or can experience freedom. How do we... How do we go out in humility and how does that kind of tie in to maybe where we are as a culture with how we treat others? Well, that's good. That's a good point. You know, it's funny. Uh, it, it's Thursday, so I'm already thinking about what's coming up this Sunday. So it's even hard for me to remember, remember what I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, don't use any of your material. Story, yeah. uh, but I do remember last Sunday was Dreamer Sunday when uh, thoughtful people around the country, faith-based people were were praying for dreamers because it was set to expire on monday and it, it did expire and it's the jury's still out and it's a it's a critical moment in time mm-hmm. and you know that's a highly polarizing topic although statistically 90 percent of the country is in favor of a bipartisan solution uh for deferred action for childhood arrivals because there's about eight hundred thousand, maybe a million of them uh who are in limbo right now mm-hmm. and so it's it's a crisis 
especially for those hundred thousand. What I don't like about statistics is a statistic is a statistic. Um, but those statistics, those numbers are people. Those, and they're, it's not about what they've done. It's the fact that they're human beings. And that's what I was trying to get at. You know, all too often, we're, we're such a fast-paced culture and we depersonalize and devalue people. We reduce, we reduce uh, money to chips. We reduce people to policy. We reduce people to numbers. And that's not the way God sees us. God's there to catch every single human being and even the dreamer. So to me, if I'm honest, it takes me a lot of, it takes a lot of work from me personally to level the playing field. And I know that we're talking a lot about platitudes and abstractions right now in concept over the technology that's before us. We got microphones, wires, stands, all this kind of stuff. And it's going into some computer and we're, digitized somehow into ones and zeros, right? right? So there's that whole science of it, but the reality is people are people. Um, and we lose sight of that really easily. What I was trying to get to is this notion of um, the, un, the unraveling of the doer aspect to rest in the being aspect. God does that if we allow it. And when it's completed by God, there's a banquet at the table. Each person has a story to share and we're softer towards one another. Hmm. So a dreamer is not a number or a statistic or someone that broke the law by default because of their parent. It's my friend sitting next to me at the coffee shop. Right. Um, arrogant people don't ask questions because they know everything. Humble people ask a lot of questions because they recognize that God's caught them somewhere in their life. And the only way to slow that down is to create space. And then the narrative could shift. But if we over busy ourselves, it's easy. I don't have to care anymore. All I have to care about is getting to the next thing. So, I don't know, hopefully there's some hope in there. Hopefully there's some room for grace. Hopefully there's a challenge for some. Hopefully it's a friendly reminder. Hopefully there's a lot of good gospel, which is interesting because it's just an old word that means good spell. It's a good magic. Hmm. I mean, that would freak some people out. Yeah. You know, if I told them what the etymology of the word gospel is, that's, that would freak out some really conservative people. It's a good spell. It's, a good, it's good magic. That's gospel literally in its etymology. And it is the magic of the gospel. It's, it's being able to reposition uh, people as human. Yeah, that's good. When we, when we learn to love like God, then we look past what people do or don't do yeah. and just learn to love them just because they're human beings. Yeah. That's cool. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share uh, as we end here uh, this evening? about uh, the message and what you wanted to really get across, what God was telling you to communicate to us? No, I don't think so. I'm just fascinated that every seven days another theme comes up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're, we're three weeks into just exploring some of the different dynamics of freedom. Certainly not, we're not going to explore all of them, but 
um, come back and hear what next week's all about as we take a little bit of a different, it's a longer version, you know, and freedom's a long journey here. I mean, they were in, it's just, everything about this blows my mind. 400 years of slavery and it just happens slower. It's so countercultural. It's, it's, it's nearly impossible to wrap your mind around whether it's metaphor or literally true. I don't really care. Just enjoy the journey and and be a part of the good magic because it's in there. If you let it have its way with you. Thank you. Thank you. That's uh, that's very important stuff. As always, if you want to learn more about Placentia Presbyterian, make sure you go to our website, ppc.church, and uh, we'll see you Sunday. Thanks, Garrett.